my sister always asks me the week before what I'm going to be preaching on. And so I told her I was going to be preaching on how do we grieve with hope. And she said, what is up with you and Stacy preaching about these death things all month? And I was like, oh, Claire's going to do it too. And, and then it hit me that this might be one of those topics that you think, oh gosh, this is just going to be, you know, kind of a sad time. We're going to have to talk about death and grief and resurrection. And, and I think there's something quite the opposite and something that our staff is, is wants to present are topics that might be more difficult from a worldly perspective, but we have such a unique perspective as followers of Christ as we approach death and as we deal with end-of-life issues and how do we grieve. And so I think this really is the best place for us to be able to talk about when the saints go marching in. Because if we don't talk about these difficult topics, then the world is certainly going to provide lots of truth according to what culture says. There is always some end of time coming. You can jump on some bandwagon. There are children's books about what heaven is like. There are movies and adult books about what heaven is like. And and then there's also these kind of unwritten rules about how you're supposed to deal with grief and death. And I know that this morning, there are so many different stages of grief that all of us are going through. Gathered here, there are people that have, in the past year, lost a child or a spouse or a parent or a beloved dog. Some of us are dreading this next Thursday because it's going to be the first Thanksgiving without that loved one. Or, or maybe there are some of us that are thinking, you know, we've been grieving for a while, maybe years. Aren't we supposed to be over it? Aren't we supposed to like come to a place of being back to normal? And, and that's why we're talking about these issues is we want to see what does scripture say? What does Jesus and our holy text have to offer us when we're dealing with these end of life issues? And the thing is, it doesn't matter about what age you are. So even our elementary school or children in here, this is something that we all kind of experience. But what's been a tension for, for me, and Stacy said for her as well, is this, this, this crazy paradox that we're caught in as Christians. Because when we talk about death, we end up having to talk about life. And so when Stacy preached on All Saints Day, she's talking about, you know, the, the future kingdom of heaven. But guess what? On this earth, because of Jesus, we get to have glimpses of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus Christ said himself that the kingdom of heaven is now. And then last week, I talked about what happens when we die. But the truth is, in Scripture, Jesus is continually pointing all of us back to, don't focus on what happens after. Focus on now. Focus on living an abundant life. And so then today, we're going to talk about what I think is the greatest gift given to us as followers of Christ when we think about death, the gift of hope. And yes, it is a gift that we can be assured of for those that have died But y'all, it is a gift for each of us today. So to help us with that, we are going to look at a scripture that I use at almost every funeral memorial service. But we're not here for a funeral memorial service today. This is for us to be given 
hope for our daily lives. Before we look to the scripture, will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we believe that you have gifts for us as your dear children. This day, whatever we are grieving over, whether it be the loss of a loved one, the loss of a dream, the end of a relationship, God, may we be rooted and established and firmed up by the hope of Jesus Christ. Amen. This comes from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 4. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with a cry of a command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. In Paul's letters that he is writing to individuals and to churches, he is usually responding to news that he has received back from a church in a certain location. And we find out in the first chapter of Thessalonians that his disciple Timothy has just come back and reported news. And if you were to give a theme to the letter of the Thessalonians, it it is just encouragement. Paul is so excited about the great work that they are doing in the faith. And so he just pours out affirmations. But there's this one thing that he realizes that they specifically need encouragement for. And that is that they have had people in their own community, in their own families, pass away. Men and women have died And they are grieving without hope. They are grieving as if they did not realize what it means that Jesus was resurrected. Now y'all realize this is early church. This is first century. There wasn't a theology of of resurrection. There wasn't an understanding of what heaven was like. The, The belief in Jewish culture was that when you died, You died and you went to Sheol, the place of the dead. And there you waited until the Messiah came and resurrected everybody. Well, the Messiah has come and everybody wasn't resurrected. So they're confused. And in the Greco-Roman world, which is also influencing these first century Christians, it says that you die and you just die. And that's the end. And so they're thinking, wait, beloved people that we knew, they have died And and Jesus didn't come back yet. So where are they? 
You see, they believe that, that when Jesus left the earth and he said, I'm going to come back and I'm going to resurrect everybody, they truly believed it would happen in their lifetime. Well, guess what? He hasn't come back yet. And so what has happened to our beloved brothers and sisters? And so Paul realizes that they have not quite got what does it mean that Jesus was resurrected. They are grieving without hope. And as I started to think about, you know, what, what even is hope? I asked, I told my neighbor that I was going to preach on hope. And he said, oh, I think that's one of the most difficult things. It's so elusive. He said that sometimes he just replaces it with the word love because love seems easier to understand than hope. I mean, even when Kyle is trying to explain it to our children, it, it's still kind of difficult to, to define exactly. And I loved how he used the word. It gives us this confidence because that's going to really play into it today. Does hope float? Do we hope for the best? Does hope spring eternal? At Elijah's fifth grade graduation at Barton Creek Elementary in May last year, the the class stood up and they sang their class song. And it was that panic at the disco song, High Hopes. Yeah? Listen to how it defines hope. Had to have high, high hopes for a living. Didn't know how, but I always had a feeling I was going to be that one in a million. Always had high, high hopes. This is, affirms what our culture believes hope is. Our culture believes hope is a feeling. Hope is something that, that is fleeting. It floats sometimes. It, it could be something that you get if you're the one in a million people, I guess, that does really well in life. Christian hope is not a feeling. Christian hope is not a feeling. Christian hope is a fact. It is a fact that grounds us in our lives because of this one thing. Christian hope is based on the fact that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. It is not based on anything that we do or anything in the world that will happen, it is based on that moment in time when Jesus Christ was dead. And I don't mean like he went to sleep. It's not like Jesus became dormant, like zoysia grass in the winter. And then like like he was going to resurface. He was dead, dead. You know, we say in our Apostles' Creed, we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, who was crucified, dead, and buried. Jesus died. And and for the first time and the last time in all of history, he was resurrected to new life. The disciples didn't even recognize him. And at that point, the redemption of the world began and death was conquered. Oh, death, where where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? It's gone. This is a fact that we believe in as followers of Jesus. And that is why we have hope. We have hope for our loved ones. I love how Paul says it. He says, God will bring with him those who have died. 
We need to know and have an assurance and a hope and a confidence that our loved ones are with God. Last week I said, you know, I don't, we don't know exactly what happens when we die, but what we know from scripture is that people who die in the Lord are with the Lord. They are never separated, not in life or in death. And because we believe in a good God, they are with God. They are in God. They are before God. But you know what also, also it gives us a hope for? Is that we get to see them again. Listen to what it says. We who are alive, who are left, we will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. I pray this gives some of you hope today. Not hope in a feeling. This is fact. This is assurance. This is the audacious belief that we have as followers of Christ. It doesn't even make sense, does it? Death is not the end. When Jesus Christ was resurrected on the third day, all followers of Christ are promised that death is no longer the end, for we too will be resurrected to new life as well. One day, we will be together again. The resurrection of Jesus is a fact, but this fact creates something else for us, y'all. It creates a hope for today. Something that we have talked about the past several weeks is this already and not yet. This idea of, yes, we know we have this promised eternal life, but God desires for us now to have abundant life. We know there's going to be days, a day in the future where there will be no more tears. But guess what? God desires, truly desires for half to ha- us to be able to have glimpses of that kingdom of heaven now. So as much as we can be assured in our resurrection and our ability to be able to be with our loved ones who have died, God desires for us to have a resurrected life now. The greatest theologian of the 20th century, in my opinion, Karl Barth, said if he could only preach three words every week, it would be these three words, Christ is risen. Because Christ is risen every single day, All of us have this opportunity to overcome all that the world pulls at us. When we choose to believe in the resurrection, we become grounded. Hope literally gives us legs to stand on. Hope gives us something to push against when we feel like everything else has fallen away. Hope gives us something to guide us when we feel like there's no one else telling us where to go. Hope gives us courage when everything seems to be failing and weak in our lives. So the challenge this presents for all of us today is what do we do to grow Christian hope in our hearts? So hope is a fruit of the spirit, just like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And we all know that the fruits of the spirit are only allowed to make room and root in our lives when there is space for them. And believe me, if you do not make space for the fruits of the Spirit, the world will find things to fill up your heart with. We have to make space for hope. I found this poem by an Atlanta poet. She's a young African-American woman, Morgan Harper Nichols. Listen to what she says. 
Let this season be a season of clearing out room for hope in your heart. Let it be the season you move the furniture around and you paint the walls. It might be the same old house you have always been in, filled with so much history, but that does not mean you cannot have new beginnings here. That does not mean the smallest changes can't make a difference. What would you clear out in your heart to make room for hope? I want to clear out the lure of acquiring more during this holiday season. I want to clear out how the temptation to care about what we look like determines our worth. I want to clear out negative feelings about our political situation. I want to clear out negative feelings for myself or for the people around me. Hope is a gift that anchors us in life, that gives us confidence for our days. And this is the amazing news of the gospel. The resurrection of Jesus offers to all of us this hope. Our loved ones are with God and we will see them again and that gives us hope. But don't miss this, y'all. We can live differently today because of the gift that we have been given in hope. The hope of Jesus allows us to live a life rooted firmly in the fact that we serve a God who said, in this world, you will have troubles, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Christ is risen. The hope of Jesus says, you are always my beloved child, regardless of your grades, regardless of your status or how much money is in your bank account or how good your house looks decorated. This past two Saturdays ago, I was feeling a little bluesy. And that's like the socially appropriate term for when I'm feeling depressed. So I just say bluesy. And, uh, and I thought, no, I am not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And so what did I do? I put on Christmas music and started decorating. I thought Dillard's started decorating in July. <laughs> and, and so it's okay if I'm six weeks early. Charlie was like, you got, we're eating on Christmas plates. So, yep, we are. And the thing is, I got the boxes out and, and then I, I'm getting ready to set the stuff up and I realize, oh, I forgot that when you begin to decorate for Christmas, you have to put stuff away. You have to make room. Will y'all join me this holiday season? Let's make room in our hearts so that the hope of Christ, fact, not feeling, can have room to grow. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen.